Hello, everyone. You're listening to American Indian Airwaves. For Marcus Lopez, I'm your host, Larry Smith. So many people who are the genuine, original peoples of the lands upon which the University of California and all of the TMT players sit. And so it's very, very important that as we support each other in our sacred land, in the protection of our sacred land, and the return of the right balance of pretty much everything, it's very, very important that, you know, that we have those connections. Today on American Indian Airwaves, the struggle over Mauna Kea in the Hawaiian nation continues. We'll speak with two community members of the Kanaka Maoli, or the indigenous people of Hawaii, and their travels through California in building a broader base coalition to pressure the two controlling partners, the University of California and the California Institute of Technology, from withdrawing from the largest proposed telescope, the 30-meter telescope, which would contribute to the desecration of Mauna Kea, a sacred site to the indigenous people of Hawaii. You're listening to American Indian Airways. You can hear when the moon shines bright, the lone Today on American Indian Airwaves, we go to the heart of the Hawaiian nation in protecting Mauna Kea, a sacred site from the proposed project known as the 30-meter telescope. Construction for the 20-story high and $1.4 billion 30-meter telescope began in 2014 when the University of Hawaii's Board of Regents approved a lease of school land atop of the sacred site. The project known as TMT or the 30 meter telescope is supported by the University of California along with the California Institute of Technology, the National Institutes of Natural Sciences of Japan, the National Astronomical Observatories of the Chinese Academy of Sciences, the Department of Science and Technology of India, and the National Research Council in Canada. The Association of Universities for Research in Astronomy are members of the TMT International Observatory, the nonprofit organization responsible for the TMT project threatening Mauna Kea. Our guests for the hour, Lalani Tili and Liko Martin, are from the Hawaiian Nation and are both longtime activists. Lolani Tili is a musician, artist, cultural practitioner, and public health practitioner, plus more. Liko Martin is a world-renowned songwriter and musician and activist, plus more. Marcus Lopez, executive producer and co-host of American Indian Airwaves and myself, had the honor and pleasure in speaking with the both of them as they recently traveled through the state of California in order to build a broader-based coalition and to elicit support in pressuring the two controlling partners, the University of California and the California Institute of Technology, from withdrawing from the project. Now, 
part one of our two-part interview on protecting Mauna Kea, we begin with Lilani Teeley on their travels in the state of California. California is extremely important in this whole struggle because two of the major partners of TIO or the TMT International Observatory Corporation are here in California. And those two partners are the University of California and the California and Caltech, basically, the California Institute of Technology. So those two partners are really the controlling partners in a lot of ways over the direction of TMT and therefore the um, the decision making as to whether the TMT corporation pushes forward to destroy this mountain in this sacred area on the most sacred mountain in Hawaii or whether they stand down in respect to the indigenous people, the Kanaka Maoli, who have said absolutely no. So we have been working with students and indigenous folks, uh, such as yourself, Marcus, and we're really honored to have so much support from so many people who are the genuine original peoples of the lands upon which the University of California and all of the TMT players sit. And so it is very, very important that as um, we support each other in our sacred lands, in the protection of our sacred lands, and the return of the right balance of pretty much everything, it's very, very important that, you know, that we have those connections. And so during COVID, it's been very hard to physically see one another and that ability has been very limited. So we're trying to find ways to connect in very limited um, spheres. You know, we can't have big rallies or events like we did in the past right now, at least not in person, but we are looking to connect in ways that are important with the students and with the indigenous cultural practitioners who are very important in the whole story of Mauna Kea and all of the sacred lands that are connected through the earth and that healing. As a follow-up, um, I know I had the honor and pleasure to see the both of you on um, the gathering on Alcatraz uh, Island, or what people know as Alcatraz Island, uh, this past November. And also, Marcus and I you know, have interviewed you, the both of you, the later part of last year. So in the past uh, six months or so, since the last time we both uh, spoke with the two of you, how much has changed in terms of the struggle over TMT? Well, uh, there's been um, very little movement on the actual ground, which is fortunate. You know, there hasn't been a move to do the actual destruction. However, the things that are being put in place on both sides will result in in an interesting and higher level of of engagement in a lot of ways should TMT keep moving forward. So, um, for example, the University of Hawaii has issued a new master plan, which is part of its trying to gain a lease for Mauna Kea for the next 
forever, basically. You know, their their lease, uh, as people may know, expires in 2033. So, you know, we're talking about a telescope. The proposal to build the TMT is one that's based on a lease that ends in a very short time before the, the TMT could even be built. So that obviously they're counting on that lease being renewed. However, the um, there is huge, huge resistance. The, there's much, much more resistance to the renewal of that lease in Hawaii than there is um, support for it. And the you know in every single hearing around this issue, all of the testimony has been in opposition for you know for all intents and purposes, with a very few exceptions. With very few exceptions, so you know things like that are going into place on their end, right? They're, they mm -hmm. they've made a master plan which basically says they can continue to build TMT build other telescopes, that they will build gates to blockade that could be used to blockade um, cultural practice, that they will use rangers to uh, interfere with cultural practices, you know, because those rangers have been interfering for many years. And, uh, you know, it says a number of other things that people very strongly oppose, but the University of Hawaii Board of Regents passed that essentially unanimously with one vote um you know against it and the um and also the national science foundation is being looked to to contribute money and the decadal survey that the national science foundation relies upon to, for its funding decisions came out with a decision that basically says yes you should build tmt but you haven't paid those indigenous people off correctly shame on you and that's really what the the report says that that they need to pump more millions of dollars into our communities um to basically buy out our people and as we all know in our indigenous communities that kind of um, motion tends to be fairly successful amongst certain parts of our communities who need money. And, um, and therefore, it's extremely, extremely divisive and causes great um, harm and need for healing in the communities. So, you know, we're looking at that as their proposed action. Meanwhile, we are moving forward with with building indigenous relationships, building consensus within large parts of the community about the principles that are involved in the protection of sacred sites and in the rights of indigenous peoples and the need to uphold those rights. So I guess that's more or less what's happening. It's not a hugely visible level of work lately, but it's a very, very important one on all sides. It's pretty heavy. Liko, uh, do you want to add to that? Well, let's see. You covered a lot of ground. Hello, Marcus. Hello, Jello. Um, Hello. Daddy. You know, like, like uh, so what can, we, what can be done up here? Okay, what, what elements... To address that, basically, the 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 it's a fortification that's coming down up there. Okay, the university is, is digging in onto lands that have special uh, trust responsibilities with it. Of course, given the brief history reflection that uh, the treaty violation, January 17, 1893, 
impacting the uh, taking over in essence of the Hawaiian kingdom governing governing structure and uh, holding them at bay with the presence of the United States military. Okay? 129 years, a very sophisticated system of uh, criminalization where you have uh, political crimes being committed through the domestic laws. Okay? So that's a whole nutshell of just for everyone to know what is going on there. And, you know, when you, you spoke to me, asked me how things were, Marcus, the other day, after I was listening to Laulani, because Laulani is in touch with all the, the circling segment of all types of issues, people, and I'm, you know, I'm one of those who's arrested. I'm as as much as I've seen in my life, I've been able to live close to nature, which, of course, that uh, TMT, I was very fortunate to be taken up there to that site, not knowing at the time that it's just below the 500-foot elevation, and it is it is essentially the, the beginning of at the very top of the clouds and the mountains there for an entire aquifer system along the what they call the Hamakua Coast, which would be the northeast face, all the way from a Big Island shaped like a diamond. So the northwest corridor feeding tremendous amounts of water and everything. This is traditionally uh, that particular spot, by the way. Mm. And uh, when, as uh, like Laulani was mentioning, when the, uh, I call it, they call it a management plan, I call it a development plan. <laughs> I was going to make a Freudian flip there. <laughs> but we got the idea that they, and I was listening to all the commentary, and it's very, nothing on the record, you know, I don't know if you can even qualify it as quasi-judicial, uh, but just going through the things that, that, you know, I reached out to a friend of mine recently, uh, Haida from Alaska, very efficiently performed uh, with the Haida Corporation until he became too successful. Uh, but he did leave behind solid infrastructure, you know, with stuff like that. So I said, Tom, what is, um, what do you think? You've, you've known our situation for a long time. And he, and he says to me, he says, Hawaii is basically a plantation economy. It's run like a plantation. And the same entities, uh, uh, you know, everybody's got to get a piece of the thing. And it's either we're growing, growing corn, we're growing hotels, or we're going to grow, you know, this is going to be our industry. And it's kind of just really piecemeal. And you're listening to American Indian Airwaves. We're speaking with Lalani Tili and Liko Martin, Kanakamalis from the Hawaiian Nation, on their travels through the state of California and building a broader coalition to convince the two controlling partners, the University of California and the California Institute of Technology, from withdrawing from the $1.4 billion 30-meter telescope, if constructed, would be the largest telescope in the world built on top of the sacred site, Mauna Kea. And now back to the interview. Okay. And the University of Hawaii, just to know its background, uh, an institution that was actually comes out of the time of, of the Hawaiian Kingdom, the, the inception of it. And now, it, rather than um, as it used to be, uh, the things that it's under the public scrutiny and all the projects, you know, the little, well, I think we'll open up a little spring and I'll bottle some water over here or I'm going to bring in my equipment that used to have to come before the purview of the general public has now gone 
into what they call uh, a, a private business organization. They were given a so-called autonomy. Now, the problem with that is that they, they're exercising now contracts and everything in consort with a, a very unqualified local certified government, I'll put it that way, yeah. okay? And between the two of them, uh, while they're basically uprooting the Hawaiian culture, uprooting their, to, the, to the masses of, of uh, desecration and of burial sites, agricultural estates, uh, efficient farm areas, old villages, people's private land, springs. In other words, 40,000 uh, building permits in the South Kona Coast. Now those lands, they've got, you know, so it's all pulled out and they've got parallels of highways now coming up, up you know, parallel like uh, um, a topographical map, you know. And, and so this is the effect basically. And so the University of California, is uh, when you're, if you're dealing, because it's dealing with science, okay, and the, the relationship that has been overlooked with respect to the discipline of the political science that is involved at the root of it is or is not, the, are the Hawaiian Islands a part of the United States? Are they owned by the United States? Does the United States have titles there? The answer is no, okay? There is a military presence there, and uh, we have a, um, in other words, let me say this, this would be a really great parallel. You have, we're always like January 6th, right, 2020, 2020, here we are. Imagine if those insurrectionists were successful as the ones who manipulated to have the Gatling guns and the Marines landed to support a takeover of the lawful government that was in treaty relationships with the diplom with the United States at the time, an inviolable neutral territory that since that day has instead of maintaining its neutrality and the duties of a neutral territory has been turned into a theater of war. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now this imagine what the United States would look like 129 years from January 6, 2020. That is what we have in the Hawaiian Islands. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, people want to know, well, what about statehood? Statehood is just a, an extension of the provisional government that was illegally founded that the Congress has so uh, great, gratefully uh, uh, put down in law in the resolution. They said it absolutely wasn't illegal. Uh, President Cleveland had taken it to the point after informing Congress of the act of war and that the, the, uh, the so-called guys, you know, were neither de jure nor de facto. They were, it was, it's, re, it's rebellion and rebellious people. Uh, they say the law of nations says the scourge of the earth, okay? And what you're seeing on Mauna Kea, is the University of Hawaii Academia turning its back on the science of politics, the science of law, the science of things that regulate and constrain and, and, uh, and dictate and show how to maintain order and peace, okay? And that is what is at stake here. In anything to the contrary, including the destruction of the entire system of aquifer for one quarter of the big island facing, which feeds the fisheries, the waters, 
of those, those are the areas where the Hawaiian culture in the at now in the Renaissance, you know, that's where we need to go. If the University of Ho- of California wants to do something, assist the Hawaiian people in putting going back into their culture and bring them the best technology so they don't make the same mistake and bringing the cesspools and everything. Get the get the persecution out of the way. So the the uh, University of California is uh, aiding and abetting in this uh, criminality, mm. okay? And, and actually, I'm not just talking, I'm very specific. Uh, prior to being arrested uh, on the Mauna there, I had went to the superintendent of the national parks who has, for what it was worth, because they, they have this uh, thing that in countries and everywhere, historic preservation, conservation, etc. I think everybody's familiar with that. And then I went to that person and I said, you know, from what I'm looking at, it qualifies under these terms as um, you have a lack major aspects of inconsistency. And those major aspects of inconsistency now arise to the point where the question is, can you really have a certified local government there to make sure that every square inch, when you take a permit out there, it's not we're sitting back and wait till somebody brings all the bones to us, or calls us and say, well, we have an inadvertent digging. We need to be there given the authority to oversight. Who, who do we call for you know, enforcement of burial laws? You've got to be kidding. There's no one to call for enforcement. So at this particular level, I would say of resurrecting after 50 years of a renaissance in the Hawaiian Islands, uh, which is carried forth all around the world, seen on the Mount of the Chance, the language that I was not allowed to hear the food that I was not allowed to eat. Now you can get it in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. so so now this is what. Mm-hmm. So where where are we at? The honesty, the honesty. You know, like the sons and daughters. You know, time to honor, time to stand up and honor liberty's daughters and the sons and slaves that she bore. How to keep the nation in union for freedom, justice mm-hmm. for all. Well, the question of how do you defeat First Peoples? How do you defeat people that are connected to their land, their culture, their history, and because of colonialism, because of imperialism, because the United States took away the land legally but the, and illegally of the Hawaiian Kingdom? The question mm-hmm. is, they... University of California and the TNT and all those individuals that are surrounding that want to create a system of outlasting the protesters, outlasting the water protector, outlasting the first peoples, outlasting Kanaka Maui, outlasting them in order so they can wear them down. It just seems like the opposite is being created. Talk about the response of people in California or Hawaii, how that... Just because we have COVID, we'll get, hopefully we'll get into that, but how the Kanaka Maui and how the people with students of California, you see California systems and California and all the native peoples are standing behind the Kanaka Maui. Talk about that for us for a second, because a lot of times, too, we put on the news, this situation occurs, and two or three months later, people forget about it. But we are not forgetting about it. What's the strength of that? How is it being continual struggle, continual in, in creating the information in which make us stronger? Talk about that. Mahalo, Marcus. That is such an awesome question. You know, 
I'll have to say that when all is said and done with TMT, my hope is that we will look back on this whole experience as an awesome thing that brought so many people together, that brought so many principles to articulation, that brought so much consciousness to the need to protect indigenous sacred places, indigenous waters, indigenous governance, you know, all of those things. And the response in California has been the really the pinnacle in a lot of ways of all of those things. You know, it's interesting because the California, the University of California as a TMT partner is made up of several other um, partners within it, right? That because of all of the campuses and all of the different um, entities within that. And those, and those important points exist in actual places in California. So, for example, there, the University of California at Santa Barbara is very, very important because the chair of TMT, Henry Yang, is the chancellor of the University of California at Santa Barbara. And here you are, Marcus, as a person who is actually indigenous to that land upon which the University of California at Santa Barbara literally sits. You know, they are literally on your land. And here you are standing with us. Mahalo. You know, it's just, it's, it's awesome. And we've had the same response at UCLA, which is also a very important um, place in the whole, in this entire issue. Because at UCLA, there is a lot of, um, you know, there are a lot of the Board of Regents meetings. There are um, many components that are connected to it. And at UCLA, the Tongva people, the Tongva cultural practitioners have, come out, marched with us at not only the University of California, UCLA, but also at Caltech, who is another TMT partner, you know, and it's been super, super important. In, um, in, the, um, in the Bay Area, the Ohlone people have come out multiple times, many times. They've come out and assisted us with the... Um, you know, at, at Berkeley, at, um, at many other places in, in Oakland where the University of California's actual headquarters are in Oakland, you know, they've helped us to address it. They've delivered letters for us. They've stood with us on the street. They've marched through Berkeley campus with us. They have um, come to um, things with the Gordon Betty Moore Foundation at in Palo Alto, you know, there are many other um, things that, that the, the peoples of California, the indigenous peoples have really come out for Mauna Kea. In um, the University of California, Santa Cruz is another example because they ha one of the TMT board members is 
also very vocal board member, Michael Bolte, is a professor at Santa Cruz. And there, the Amamutsen have come out and stood with us, come to the University of California at Santa Cruz, spoken to the students with us, you know, um, spoken about, and at all, in all of these, they've also spoken about what's happening with their own lands, with their own struggles, with the bones that the uni these universities are holding in their buildings, usually in their most quote-unquote sacred towers, you know, their bell towers and things like that, are full of indigenous bones, it turns out, which is really creepy, you know, and it's, it's something that people don't know. People don't know that when they go to these universities. I didn't know that as a person from Hawaii, but it's really important that I learn that. Because that is part of this whole picture, you know, to hear about the, um, the mining that the Amamutsen are fighting, to hear about the, you know, all of the struggles that you folks are doing and the good works that you're doing, you know, with the canoes and the revitalization of culture and all of those things. Those all are part of the Mauna Kea story now. And that is really, 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 really important, not only in winning this battle against TMT, but also in winning the overall victory of survival of humanity through the continuation of indigenous sovereignty asserted correctly in a way that aligns people, nature, and tradition, and the right balance of things that need to be rebalanced desperately in our world, you know, and so um, that has been very important. And then for the students to come out as well, you know, these are strong young leaders. They're not all Hawaiian. Some of them are, some of them are other Pacific Islanders. Some of them are Native American. Some of them are European descent or African American descent, or you know, many other folks too who are coming out they're young people beautiful young people who are coming up and just standing for the Mauna and that is the start of their leadership as activists in many cases and we can see some great young leaders a whole generation of awesome young leaders coming through the University of California through this experience and being enriched by the indigenous peoples of California who are the actual people of the land upon which the schools that they go to, the schools that they're getting their degrees at, are from. So this is like a whole huge Mauna of consciousness that is part of the actual Mauna Kea protection experience. And you're listening to American Indian Airwaves. That concludes part one of a two-part interview. We were speaking with Lalani Tili and Liko Martin, Kanakamalis from the Hawaiian Nation. They recently traveled through the state of California to build a broader coalition to put pressure on two controlling partners, the University of California and the California Institute of Technology, from withdrawing from the 30-meter telescope project. If constructed, it would be the largest telescope project in the world built on top of the culturally sacred site of Mauna Kea. So I just want to remind listeners that uh, KPFK is uh, presently in its fun drive and it is listeners like you that help keep the station going and we want to encourage 
KPFK listeners out there and the internet podcast world throughout Southern California, wherever it is that you may be, that if you appreciate the work that we do here on American Indian Airwaves and uplifting indigenous voices, marginalized voices, and bringing to you content that you can't get out there in the mass media landscape to please support uh, American Indian Airwaves in Pacifica's KPFK. And there are several ways to do that. You can visit the kpfk.org website, click on the pledge icon and select a premium item of interest, or you can become a KPFK Sustainer Circle member by making monthly dollar denominations of your choice, or you can call 818 985 5735-818-985-KPFK to make your pledge there. Marcus? Larry, I think it's so important that we speak to our listeners about this. Is If you support the American Indian Airways, then donate to KPFK. Give those uh, items a premiums to look at. If you not only appreciate, but understand that the American Indian Airways is the only radio program that reflect indigenous struggles here in Southern California and that we have much work to do. By your pledge, it helps us as well as KPFK, the station, in order to operate and to counteract the corporate media and the people that are behind it and the organizations and the financial structures behind it in order to bring truth to light, bring that what you hear in American Indian Airways. And we constantly do that about give voices to the front lines and just in the struggle hemispherically. So that's what American Indian Airways, and that's where your pledge helps us to bring the frontline fighters to the forefront. Like our recent series, A Sacred Stage, talks about the playwrights. And within that, we have lots of other series that we've done regarding covid as well as what are Native people doing today that's so crucial that your commercial radio programs don't even do. So we reach out our hand, reaching out our relatives out there, and also all the non-Native people out there, reach out and saying that, help us, help us, keep the program, keep KPFK alive, and all of us doing that will benefit from, get a better idea where we have to go, as, as not only as Indigenous peoples, but also with the rest of our allies out there in the world. And we want to remind listeners, you can visit the kpfk.org website, click on the pledge widget. You can become a monthly Sustainer Circle member by agreeing to make monthly donations in a dollar denomination of your choice. Or you can pick from over a couple dozen different premium items that, that may be of interest and each premium item is a different dollar amount. But again, we want to encourage listeners, visit the kpfk.org website or call 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK. Support American Indian Airwaves, support KPFK, and help us continue to provide this invaluable, immeasurable public service to all of you, the listeners.
The song Land Back by Hallucination off the album One More Saturday Night here on American Indian Airwaves. In the final segment of today's program, we continue with part two of our two-part interview with Lalani Tili and Liko Martin, Kanakamalis of the Hawaiian Nation. They recently traveled through the state of California to build a broader coalition to stop the 30-meter telescope project and to exert pressure on two of the controlling partners, the University of California and the California Institute of Technology, to withdraw from the 30-meter telescope project, if constructed, would be the largest telescope in the world, built on top of the sacred site of Mauna Kea in the Hawaiian Nation. And now, part two of our two-part interview with Lalani Tili and Liko Martin. One of the things that strikes me, especially when you're in California, a lot of people think, and there's a lot of sloganizing, slogans as far as uh, de- a decolonize, indigenize, um, and so on and so forth. Your work that you're doing are behind, behind the scenes, you might say. It's not romantic view of organizing, in the sense of marching, going down there. Well, that's part of the picture, too. But I think, well, like I always said, is, and when I talk to Liko, and I talk to Lalani. I see, I see the images of our, our existence is our resistance. Our cultural practices are the essential features of protecting Mother Earth, of protecting our way of life, of realizing and coming to the rotational, you might say, celestial bodies of what's important, what's not important. So our existence, like I always said, is our resistance. What's your work that you're doing now, and many people do not know the specificity of it, but that that's important work to remind people that this is it's not going to go away. The Kanake Mali people are not going to go away. The first people is not going to go away. And so the important thing is that you continue doing that. We Like when Larry and I talk about, we want to interview you, about the richness, about the determination, about the sovereignty, about the kingdom, about the vision of what Kanaki Mali has to say to the world, and that is Mauna Kea. Mm, aye, aye. Well, you know, we're also connected to it from way, way back. You know, as, as um, indigenous peoples of California, you know, we always talk about those days when our canoes traveled across the ocean, you know, and on, on your end, the rainbow bridges were, you know, the rainbow bridge was built, you know, and, and that, that has been the most awesome thing, has been revitalizing that bridge. Yes. You know, it's like yes. we're returning to that place where we were connected from ancient times. And um, the revitalization of that rainbow bridge is the, an essential component, an essential and really beautiful component of the healing of our peoples and of, of really everyone because it creates a frequency of prayer, a frequency of, you know, a, a, a certain resonance of what we are sharing together echoes throughout the world it really does you know and you see it in these various works that are being done all over the place by young people in hearing the old people in 
the you know in in academic work in um in in political stands that people are taking in some cases in you know many different things it has many places where that resonance is very crucial and um, that revitalization is happening not only through our work that we are collectively doing together, but also on many other fronts. You know, there are many others who are similarly connecting in other capacities with other parts of this whole picture. And through all of our work collectively, that resonance is really coming to a strong and high level. And it's it's really beautiful. Well, I wanted to... Um, to talk about COVID-19 and the pandemic. We've talked about this uh, in the past with previous interviews, but I'm curious, just given, um, and this kind of connect, this connects to what everybody's been saying, is during the, the COVID-19 pandemic, we, we've seen Indigenous peoples in general be, be the hardest hit in many different ways, but there are a lot of Indigenous people businesses uh, that have folded or have suffered economically, if you will, during the COVID-19 pandemic. And Lalana, you were talking about um, the decadal report and, you know, this, the notion that not enough money has been channeled or funded to the indigenous people of Hawaii to sanction the 30 meter telescope. So I was wondering, and we've talked about tourism and the tourism industry, not only exacerbating COVID-19, but also part of the economy. So I was wondering for our listeners, and maybe you could connect uh, the update with co- the COVID-19 pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, the businesses, okay. like people's, uh, indigenous sure. people's Hawaii's uh, cultural sovereign okay. right for cultural expression. Okay. And just the okay. volatile situation that uh-huh. indigenous people may be in economically mm-hmm. and the perpetrators of the 30 mm-hmm. meter telescope are using that as uh-huh. leverage in the volatile uh-huh. situation. And you're listening to American Indian Airwaves. We're speaking with Lalani Tili and Liko Martin, Kanakamalis from the Hawaiian Nation, on their travels through the state of California and building a broader coalition to convince the two controlling partners, the University of California and the California Institute of Technology, from withdrawing from the $1.4 billion 30-meter telescope, if constructed, would be the largest telescope in the world built on top of the sacred site, Mauna Kea. And now back to the interview. Okay, let me go back now. Okay, <laughs> let me start now. Let's start uh, before the 19th for the statehood thing. You know, this this, this uh, provisional, I'd say, I call it the political subdivision of the United States called the state of Hawaii mm-hmm. comes into the the lands, the private, the king, the Hawaiian kingdom. Okay. Right. Now, obviously, at the at the core of it, what the the people who were going to run the island. Okay. Once you were going to, not maybe you know you had a choice to recognize the titles of the lands. Maybe you did it. Maybe you didn't tell anybody. Whatever. It was. It, 59, it was like a, an invasion of the lands, okay? But tourism was ex- particularly accelerated, uh, where the expansion of the, into uh, all the beautiful places by the beaches and, 
and these pretty much the, the very seeable um, uh, structures, uh, walls, stones, beautiful gardens of the agricultural estates that ring the islands. And I literally mean ringed the islands. Now, where did those populations go? World War II had a big effect upon the islands with displacing uh, and dislodging the, the, um, the people who took care of uh, the, you know, fam part of the mainstay, the males, the military, the, to take care of your carol patches. So back to the tourism industry, they are the ones, those industries were basically occupy our historic places where we lived, right. our beaches, uh, the valleys, uh, they've, they've uh, been able to take the waters. Uh, in some cases, in, in many cases, the uh, sewage w uh, treatment plants uh, basically made the fish unedible, like in Maui. The, the, I mean, we only have secondary treatment plants here. Uh, if you want to go on, you could probably go on Google Earth right now and go to an area called McKenna. And you will see quickly what's going to happen with the siltation that the latest development of uh, uh, houses and, and, you know, wealthy uh, gentrification, whatever you call it, that mm -hmm. is the residual effect of the hotels bringing the tourists in this, tourists in, not just for tourism, but to attract people to come onto the lands and have the kind of lifestyle that, you know, uh, that, that it goes with. And they have the money to do this at the expense, in the first place, of affecting the ecosystems that are already there, okay? The old terraces, the, the villages, and, and the peoples, and their, and their ancestral remains. So COVID-19 now, what, is, what has happened is there's becoming more initiative on the part of the, of, of the younger generation and across the board of... Well, now there's no more job out there. Who wants to, we, you know, work at the tourism? We can't do it. Boom. And, and the, the influx of just the normal colonial industries that are accelerating. You know, while the COVID is on, the, the building in, industry, boom, it's just like how can you watch two Super Bowls at one time? And literally, boom, coming in highway works and everything because people can't get up. People are not around to see what's happening when they're digging up. And I'm talking about, uh, a, you know, major, major historic sites like on Kauai, Mahunapueoni. This is like Arlington Cemetery of the Pacific. And we're going to, the ocean is rising. We're coming in. We don't care. We're coming in. And so that has accelerated huge. So at the same time, we've had uh, where you had a viable lands, and that's the problem with the displacement over 60 years of the statehood thing is that there's no longer the waters in the rivers. The peoples were taxed off the land. Their lands, uh, inalienable lands, were quit claimed through, through courts that, that were not instituted to. So the effects of COVID is an awareness of more of your community, okay? especially among the Hawaiian people uh, who, like, um, all of a sudden, there's nowhere to go. And, and gee, let's go back to the tax, go back to fishing. Uh, that's our job. Our job is to stay alive. And if we can get to the resources, if they're still there, and even if we can use them because they're not polluted, then we have a chance. Basically, what I'm seeing, and, you know, it's just like who's from who's ever left, who's ever willing, 
and who's ever able or you know who, and after, after the who's ever left and whoever uh, able then comes to willing and this is across the board so you know one thing that i i wanted to mention upon dealing with the like okay we have was what mark marcus mentioned about in hundreds of hundred thousand uh remnants of the native americans from all the tribes that now in the los angeles area now here we have a place like you know, it was kind of like in a song, and I think I'll stop there. It's this chorus of a song I wrote many years ago while traveling up uh, and um, around by when the uh, um, the Sacred Mountains, San Francisco Peaks, were kind of under attack, and it was wrote this song, and the chorus goes, so you gather your war drums, songs and loved ones, and over the rainbows we'll ride back to the rivers and valleys you knew long ago. Bring all your teepees, horses and weavings, and under the rainbows we'll ride back in the land that the great spirit set aside. Mm. So I'll leave you with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Marcus? Was, Nico, how are you doing and how are people doing with the, you got arrested, bring us to, bring us to date of what's going on. Well, okay. There is a hearing that is coming. I guess there was a, uh, uh, a case that came before the uh, Supreme Courts in the islands recently, a couple of months back, where a, a protesting, another protest at, at uh, the Haleakala situation for the telescopes there, that that was such a smooth operation. It was like uh, um, coming in in the night and you wake up and everything's there, that the court ruled that the state did not properly fill out the affidavits and follow the the, the procedures uh, necessary that would you would could then qualify something as criminal obstruction. You had to, so that evidence came up, and of course they didn't have that in place. Just like at the Mauna, they just came and grabbed, I mean, you know, executive order, and 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 you're ours if we, you know, and th and that's it. That's that's the essence of problem. So. That case now has uh, drawn some attention from the defense attorneys, and there are motions put in place to to bring that in over to the Mauna Kea issue. Uh, basically, would say asking for dismissal with prejudice. So that brings us back to you know one on one again. Then where do we go from there? Okay. And uh, the motions are pretty strong on the defense. The likelihood that the and uh, the state is trying to buttress up its, uh, you know, complaint and uh, stuff. But uh, they may be coming up short. So the court may actually dismiss all of the cases, okay, and dismiss and say you're back to square one by this time. So, But in my particular case, at the pleading, as it's, and I mean, you know, if they were listening, I'd be giving away the plan. But, but anyway, okay, as a result of my involvement on Mauna Kea, I did a pro se, Abel Louie and myself filed pro se before the court even opened up, which we could do. And our filing was as Hawaiian nationals, not native Hawaiians, defined under a, a Congressional Hawaiian Homes Apartheid State Act, which basically identifies all the people in all of these programs and, and um, you know, for your money, your failure, your so-called religious rights and all of that. Anyway, we filed and uh, brought attention to the lack of uh, uh, not only personal subject matter jurisdiction, 
because of our rights in the lands. Therefore, the rights that are in the lands that were vested under the Hawaiian Kingdom are the only system with the Hawaiian Kingdom law which you could bring a criminal proceeding against me. And, and we filed not in this in the state of Hawaii Supreme Court. The state of the courts in Hawaii are are were were founded and under Hawaiian Kingdom law. So we filed in the Supreme Court of the Hawaiian Islands and the clerks courts of the clerk being what they really should do it being is impartial. They put the stamp on it. So we actually activated Hawaiian Kingdom law and then we filed this motion to dismiss based upon all the you know, things like that and and uh, the uh uh, so anyway, what the what the, what the uh, and it's kind of like going fishing. It was really going fishing, again putting a big fat bait on there, and then having having uh, the state bite on it. And when they responded to them to the dismissal motion, however, they didn't just grab it with their mouth. They swallowed it and they just went and said, in essence, in their response, they said, in order for me to claim that I'm independent, I would have to have a treaty, and I, I would have to conquer, you know, that we were conquered. The, basically, the state, the, the U.S. political subdivision said that there is, that they have a treaty, the provisional government, the Bergens, they have a treaty, that the state of Hawaii actually has a treaty of annexation, and that 1893 amounted to the conquering of the Hawaiian kingdom and taking of the Hawaiian islands. And nothing could be more far, way outlandish. But, you know, they went there. The moment of silence is over. And that concludes part two of our two-part interview with Lolani Tili and Liko Martin, Kanakamalis from the indigenous nation of Hawaii. They were traveling through the state of California to build a broader coalition to exert pressure on the controlling partners of the University of California and the California Institute of Technology to withdraw from the 30-meter telescope project if constructed would desecrate the sacred site of Mauna Kea. And that concludes our show for today here on American Indian Airwaves. A special thank you to our musical guests, Aragon Star, Koopa Aina, Hallucination, and the band Blackfire. American Indian Airwaves is mixed and mastered in the studio of Burnt Swamp Studio in Signal Hill, California. For Marcus Lopez, I've been your host, Larry Smith. Until next time. And for the innocent, you can't justify why your freedom manifests on their graves And the blood never comes clean from the guilty minds Nor the hands that hold the chains
against our fears Try not to become what we've endured Wearing our souls on the thread The moment of silence is over